I know it's only four games in, but I already want to do it. The Milwaukee Ewers. Rowdy, can we bring up the Ewers yet, or is it way too early? Ewers. I mean, to say it, to say that the Brewers' season is over and they're terrible, and this is this no, is no, this is no, done. No, no, but for how Milwaukee. Brewers are playing. Yeah, they look like the Ewers. Ewers. Uh, I'm not ready to go to the Milwaukee Booers yet. Right now, it's just the Ewers. So yesterday, I don't know, man. I fell asleep twice watching the game. That was for me personally, man. Maybe it's because the season's so young. That was that was a really boring game. It was uh, one that you just like. Oh my God, can you do something, Milwaukee Brewers? Just do. Something. It was hey, the the thing that pisses me off the most, Rowdy, is Baltimore is such a bad team. They stink. They were coming in, and we know they're bad. They didn't spend any money in the off season. They're not a good team. They had how many runs did they have scored coming into that game? Three. Well, I can tell you this. No, they had less one, than that. They one? have three total runs so far this season that they've scored. So they had one coming into the series. Against they've the been Brewers. shut out twice. In three games heading into yesterday's ball game. And then the Brewers get shut out by a team that was shut out twice. Now the Brewers have been shut out twice. Yep. Oh my And God. both teams are now one and three. Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> so watching this game yesterday, uh, let's start, I guess, with uh, Adrian Hauser, three and two third innings. What do you think? Uh, what do you think? Or not much think of Hauser? Thought he was a little bit better than the likes of. Well, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta. Peralta. I mean, he wasn't sharp either. Again, he went three and two-thirds innings, walked three batters, scattered four hits, pitched out of trouble. It it seemed like the majority of that game. And then Aaron Ashby came in, gave uh, the Brewers three and a third. Again, gave up two hits, two walks. It was another game where it's like the Brewers pitching just continued to walk batters. They had six walks yesterday as a pitching uh, squad. So abysmal. It's frustrating. It is because they were so good last year. And just in general, we've seen how good a lot of these guys have been to all of a sudden start this year. And I know you can say, well, you know, spring training was weird. They had a lockout. Uh, Spring training was half as long. You know, now they're they're fitting in a full season in eight days less than what they should have. Yeah, but that's every team. Yep. So you can't just blame that for the Brewers when Baltimore's going through the same thing. The Cubs were going through the same thing. The Brewers just at this point look worse than both of them. Yeah. Baltimore wins for the first time this season after being swept in a three game series against the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers out there at Camden Yards. Camden Yards? Got a little uh, different look to it. The wall in left field was pushed back and made taller in the offseason, but that is not a factor in the game. Uh, the thing that was a factor in the game um, was, and I, I want to get into this, this pitch comm thing, this pitch comm thing that the Brewers are in love with. Uh, well, maybe not anymore. They're So when the the season first started, they yeah, they're the first in love team. with pitch comm, but yeah, it looks like it's doing them real well. The it, pitching has been phenomenal. It, yeah. So the Brewers were the first team. Uh, it was the first duo of Corbin Burns and Omar Narvaez. They used the pitch comm, uh, the opening game against the Chicago Cubs. They became the first duo to do so in Major League Baseball. And now yesterday, their technology was failing them as it was uh, a bunch of all the other games besides the one that they won, which you can make the case of failing them there too. But we'll get into this pitch comp thing. As Craig Council even was talking about it uh, during the game, he had uh, some complaints to the umpire over this pitch comp technology. This is uh, trying, to st- trying to make it so teams can't steal signs. So the catcher and the, and the pitcher wear this little, it's like the, what a quarterback wears when they're looking at his plays. But the pitcher will punch in on these buttons the sequence of what pitches he wants or the sequence of buttons to determine what pitch they want, and then they'll go and pitch it. I don't think it's really helping them out. We'll talk about why Council's pissed off about it. Uh, but looking at the Brewers team itself, Rowdy, any positives out of yesterday? Hira got a hit? See, I thought that was weird. Uh, the fact, so yeah, actually we mentioned, we mentioned, we uh, mentioned Christian, uh, Christian Yelich. Well, actually first I'll talk about Christian Yelich, go down the lineup. Yeah. So Christian Yelich actually, I thought had a really good at bat. Well, I think it was his last time up where he got down in the count 
and you're kind of sitting there thinking to yourself, oh, no, here comes another Christian Yelich at bat. He'll probably fan at this one once he got two strikes. He actually stayed right in there, stayed on the pitch, and, and hit it up the middle. It was something that actually looked like a good at bat. Now, I know that the Brewers and their Twitter account were touting that Christian Yelich leading the team in hitting and you know getting on base, and it's like, okay, well, the thing is, when he sucked in 2020 and 2021, he was still getting on base. Yeah. His K rates were actually a little bit better, which means he was seeing the pitches. He just wasn't hitting the pitches. I'm still juries out just because we've said that over the course of four games here, again, small sample size, he's struggled when it looks like keeping his weight, staying on yeah. balance. He's gotten a couple lucky hits, which in only four games, you get a couple lucky hits. That's really going to uh, keep you at average way up. But yes, in the last two games, I've seen two really good at bats from Christian Yelich, which fingers crossed, maybe we can get at least a guy that can spray the ball all over. But yeah, going down the lineup, Hunter Renfro is the guy they got to get going. Yes, totally. He's batting 071. He's supposed to be the guy that comes in and picks up the slack for Avisel Garcia, who just happened to have a career year last year, yep. and he has not been doing very well. But the one question when I when I saw this, and then all of a sudden saw Rowdy Telez coming in was Rowdy, Keston Hira. Rowdy. Keston Hira finally got the start. And I had mentioned him yesterday talking about how I, man, the guy was training. super hot. And hot. now he's only, he's only played in a couple of games. I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't gotten a little bit more run. Yeah. Well, he went in there two at bats, got a hit. And then all of a sudden was pulled for Rowdy Telez as a pinch hitter. I was, I was a little, I was kind of like, yeah, what's going on here? <laughs> I think because, a lot of people were, because all of a sudden it was like, Hey, guy gets a hit. He was extremely hot in spring. Are we going to let him? I mean, this is not like the Brewers had 10 runs on the board. No. I'm like, are we going to let this guy continue to get at bats? Uh, I guess not. We're going with a pinch hitter. And then Telez ended up striking out. out. Other than that, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot to talk about. The Milwaukee Brewers scattered six hits. Yeah, there's nothing going the council said after the game they couldn't square up Rowdy on the ball. They were unable to square up. I'll get to I'll get to some of council's comments. He he sounded like he's a little lost and and searching for answers here, and rightfully so. I mean, the Brewers just lost to the effing Orioles uh, at Camden Yards, but uh, with no runs across. Oh, play. the Orioles! If you if you look just at the uh, just at the stats and like the Brewers had six hits and they got four walks. Well, the Orioles had just six hits and earned six walks, but didn't it feel like there were a lot more Orioles? Like the Orioles at least put up some of their hits and walks in bunches. Yeah, the Brewers completely scattered them for the most part outside of like one inning. I d- it was that's why I'm saying it's like one of the most boring games I've watched. Like as a Brewers fan, I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm like, okay, you're, here's one hit goes to waste. Here's another hit. It goes to waste. You know, you don't do anything like you said, Rowdy, in bunches. In the same time, I'm like, this game is just like frustrating. So frustrating. <laughs> I saw a pretty a pretty sad stat from Milwaukee Brewers Uh-oh. through four games. Oh, what is it? It was uh, hitting with runners in scoring position. Uh-huh. Remember how we were? Well, they had left we were, eight on. Thir- we were bitching about. Uh, I think it was opening day. Yeah, we were bitching on Friday, where they went one for ten yep. with uh, hitting with runners in scoring position. Now for the season. Brewers just two for 22. Oh, my God. Two for 22. Now, I know it's early. Uh, the fifth game will be played today. So, I, you know, I know it's early. It's batting less than 100. But that's not. It, it reminds me of la- the end of last season, doesn't it? When the Brewers couldn't do diddly-poo with their sticks. They just were like, you know, uh, leaning on the arms of their pitching staff. And maybe if they got a lucky home run that they would win a game. Doesn't it, doesn't it feel like rowdy shades of the end of last year when they got bounced out of the playoffs right well, away? We have a caller, Tommy, who Tommy. calls in and loves his uh, small ball, loves his bunting, hates that the Milwaukee Brewers rely on home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, the Milwaukee Brewers are one and three. The Milwaukee Brewers have hit home runs in one game. And that was the one they came back and won. Because if, if you remember, <laughs> Willie Adamas hit one a solo shot, then? which got it, well, got the Brewers down from trailing 3 nothing to 3 1. Then Rowdy Telez hits a home run. And then Mike Brasseau came in and hit the what ended up being the go ahead home run and the yeah. winning home run. But still, 
the one game they've won is all three of their home runs have come in. Yeah. Now three. I'm not I'm not the biggest guy when it comes to this is a, bunting all the time and blah, scary. blah blah. A little scary. But it is pretty alarming that so far through four games they have not been able to score runs if it hasn't come from, from a, the home, the home run. run. And that was three home runs. So you look at the Brewers and you're like, oh my god, what is. Is this going to be shades of the end of last year when we're like, oh, no, where'd the offense go? So, I don't know. We'll uh, we'll discuss it you know, moving forward. We'll hear from council coming up. It's just not – it's leaving a sour taste in the mouth to begin the season. So, uh, Rowdy – Oh, I already, I already have a date in which I will hit oh. the alarm and say, hey, the world is falling. But we're a ways away from that. All right, we'll, we'll bring that date up a little later in the show. You you sit on that date a little bit here. Uh, I saw. I already saw like uh, some of our sister stations um, in different cities here. I won't name any names like Lacrosse or Eau Claire, but I saw some polls already coming out out of the Lacrosse area. I mean, I'm not naming any names, and it was already talking about concern for the Milwaukee Brewers. Like, should you be concerned already? I'm like. No, I mean, you're four games into the season. It's 162. They play a lot of games. A lot of things can happen in baseball. You can't you can't win it, a division, right away. You, you certainly can lose it quick, but we've seen the Brewers, Rowdy, have tough spells, tough patches, where, you know, it's a little left to be desired. But like the Cubs series, for example, we were talking yesterday, just don't get swept, right? Now, I still think the Brewers can win this series against the Orioles, but just if it's a series getting... you should win. This this isn't a team that's trying to be super competitive this year. Like we talked about the Cubs. Yeah, it's a rivalry. It was originally supposed to be a four game series. So I even said, bef- uh, I think it was Thursday morning when you're like, what's the goal here to beat the Cubs in the series? I said, honestly, at this point, I'm fine with a split two to two. Well, granted, there wasn't an opportunity yeah. for a split Friday since the game out. was rained out. But you look at Baltimore, a team that's got a payroll under forty million dollars. Their top, <laughs> their two of their top three players <laughs> that are being paid this year by the team are not currently on the roster. You have about two to three guys that aren't full blown prospects or quadruple A players. You need to go in and win this series. I know you're not playing well. Yeah, you can't get swept if you do lose it. But this is a series. I think everyone. Uh, Mark Ananasio, David Stearns, Craig Council, yeah. the rest of the Brewers roster and fans say we should probably win this series. Yeah, the Baltimore Orioles are what? They're dead last in payroll. $40.747 million. I'll, round, I'll give them 41 That's their payroll. $41 million. The Brewers are uh, 19th with 100 and I'll, I'll round up for them, 129 the Baltimore Orioles are d- dead last, Rowdy, and they're not a good team. But here's the thing. The Brewers, I mean, they're still professionals. The Brewers lost yesterday. They could not get one run across the plate. Unbelievable. Um, well, uh, Let's see. I was reading about this. Uh, the Orioles faced Milwaukee in a home opener for the first time since 1995. That's when the Brewers obviously were in the AL. And this was the first time Milwaukee played at Baltimore in a game since 2003 there was a there was a decent crowd there rowdy for a, a team that's so bad i thought it was like well that's because the season's early <laughs> there's hope still remaining right every single major league baseball team in their fan base has hope for that upcoming year especially when it's opening day and or your home opener yeah and there's, there's still hope hope springs eternal for the orioles and for the milwaukee brewers I know it didn't go the way yesterday. So uh, Eric Lauer on the bump, uh, getting the start tonight, six oh five. Have the Orioles named a starter yet? I've been looking. I can't, uh, I can't. When I was looking last night, they were still. It still had undecided. Yeah, so I haven't seen a starter yet for the Orioles. But Lauer, what seven and five last year? ERA at three point one nine. So maybe I don't know. Maybe Lauer can limit the walks here. It seems like an epidemic for the Milwaukee Brewers pitching staff, the starting pitchers, is to give up a bunch of walks. And then um, the sticks don't really do much. Yeah, every single pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers, whether it was Adrian Hauser, Aaron Ashby, or uh, Gustave, all of them, all three. Of, now, Hobie Milner came in at the very end, recorded the last out. Yeah. But the first three pitchers in the game for Milwaukee all all averaged nearly one walk per inning. Uh, That's not ideal. That's not going to get it done. That's not great, Bob. Not great, Bob.
Now, one positive uh, counsel did say he thought Aaron Ashby pitched uh, pitched great, Rowdy. Do you see? I know you talked about this to me off there, but Ashby with a little uh, quick reflexes. Yeah, I, well, I think Ashby was by far, in my opinion, there. I'm not counting Hobie Milner. He came in for yeah, one yeah, batter, yeah. got him out. But the, for guys that were in there long term, yeah, I think Aaron Ashby looked the best. But again, he even had to pitch out of trouble because he put a couple guys on with walks. Then he'd scatter a hit or two. But yes, the comebacker from Cedric Mullins that he caught. He's like the Matrix. He's like like Neo from the Matrix catching that thing. Because if if that would have gotten through for a base hit up the middle, that obviously scores one more run. And now you're looking up at a three to nothing deficit. And the Brewers already showed very little life. Oh, I'm, I'm, I laugh so I don't cry. Essentially, I, was, going I was actually I'm not. I was uh, surprised that he let Ashby go out there for a, technically what would have been his third plus inning. Uh, I think that pitch count after his first two and a third innings was I think it was roughly at fifty. I I was a little surprised that they let him go out there. I know he's been a guy that has started in the past and he, he's come out of the bullpen, especially the majority of time at the major league level. But I think you're definitely seeing him. Craig Council, that is, allow Ashby to ramp up because I wouldn't be surprised that if uh, in May the Milwaukee Brewers go to a six-man rotation because if you remember with the short and spring training, Ebo, they allowed for 28 guys on the roster for the first month of the season. Yeah, I wonder if they'll go to the six-man rotation once roster size uh, goes down to 26 again. was reading some reports reported by NFL Network, Ian Rappaport. That, yes, indeed, Jake Ferguson worked out with the Packers on Friday. The Packers have always had people come work out. It doesn't mean they're going to draft him. Would he be a good fit for the Green Bay Packers? I don't know, guys, if you remember this or not, it's Barry Alvarez's grandson. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we can let that die. Uh, You know, eventually Braylon Allen was no longer going to be 17. He was, time is undefeated. Yeah, he was 17, Braylon Allen. Time is undefeated. What do you mean no longer 17? Uh, time is undefeated, RJ. There's another year had gone by, a calendar year. Therefore, he now moved to 18 years old. So that is that is said and you know gone. Well, we're going to move on to 17 and should be at his prom to he should only be a freshman right now. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. So we still have that. But yes. I don't want I don't okay. ever want the Jake Ferguson as Barry Alvarez's grandson thing to die. Oh no! Yeah, let's let's keep that going. Rowdy, let me ask you: you're you're like the draft savant. Could you see late rounds the Packers getting a Jake Ferguson, and well, would it be a good fit? If you remember, whoa, what was it? The last couple of years when the Milwaukee, the Milwaukee, the Green Bay Packers looked at past Wisconsin players and brought them into camp. I mean, they ended up signing some of them and or drafting uh, a few of them. And what I'm talking about is more specifically some of the offensive linemen the last couple of years. Because mm-hmm. what, they brought in John Dietzen for a workout. Yep. He ended up getting practice squatted. Yep. Now, he didn't make it, and he didn't last on the practice squad. And now I believe, is, is he in the USFL, which I think starts Thanks. this week? Yeah, Saturday. Yeah, yeah we, we got to get some USFL. I think he was drafted in the USFL, but again. Let's go, Maulers. He, he was a guy that like the Packers looked at. <laughs> they gave him a workout. They ended up signing him to the practice squad, and I think he spent at least a minute on the Green Bay Packers practice squad before getting cut before uh, the season officially started. And then the other one, oh, what was his name? The kid from... Jared uh, Eberderis. No, no, no. I'm talking about the other offensive lineman. That, oh, Cole Van Lannan. Yep, Cole Van Lannan. Huh. They brought him in for a workout. <laughs> a, little, a little different. And he, they ended up drafting him late. And that was, that again, that's another guy that they brought in for a workout as of late from Wisconsin that had some decent uh, accolades and attributes. Yeah. And they ended up uh, at least coming to a contract, and now he's a backup on the Packers' offensive line. Do I think they actually sign and and come in here and you're going to see Jake Ferguson on the field for the Green Bay Packers? (laughs) I wouldn't be laying money on that. (laughs) But I would say if they give him a workout, there's a good shot of him being signed at least for, like, rookie camp and, like, uh, kind of the summer stuff. Do you think he gets drafted, Ferguson? I could see a late round flyer. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't see. See the thing with the tight ends. He is, didn't do too well at the combine. No, yeah. and the tight ends are actually a pretty deep class. There's no great tight end where it's like, oh my god, here's Tony Gonzalez, here's Antonio Gates. 
but there's a lot of solid tight ends. Like from rounds like three to six, there's a lot of solid uh, prospects. Do uh, does he get drafted? If he does, in my opinion, it's probably five to seven, and it's a late round flyer based on some traits. But uh, yeah, I don't think there's going to be a ton of teams actively looking to draft them, especially if it's if we're talking pre fifth round. Yeah, Ferguson, mm-hmm. not the greatest of the combine, uh, which they say likely dropped his uh, draft stock to day three. Six five two fifty. Uh, lack of physicality as a blocker and speed has raised some questions. He ran a four eight one. In the forty yard dash, he did improve it at his uh, the pro day at uh, down here here in Madison See, I at four point seven. The biggest yeah. thing for him is uh, the spe- it's going to be the speed, just because everything gets ratcheted up when you go up another level. Oh it's yeah, the strength, time. it's the speed, it's everything. And yeah, he didn't run. I actually watched the tight ends run some of their forties at the combine. He didn't look very fast, especially no. compared to some of the more athletic tight ends that they had there. And like I said. There's no Tony Gonzalez or Antonio Gates in this draft. Yeah. But can Perry Alvarez pull some strings with duty? One of the things that I I think is not talked about enough when you talk about uh, criticizing prospects and players, I swear to God, some of these draft combine guys just criticize to criticize. You're talking about the guys that sit in their mom's basement, like with their big. Are you talking well, about? No, or are you talking just, about like the machetes like, and the? I'll give you a specific Kuipers. example. Yeah, like like they look, they nitpick for one thing that they can say might go wrong. Yeah, uh, like an example of that was Jonathan Taylor coming out. I thought by far Jonathan Taylor was the best running back in the draft. Mm-hmm. You had some of these draft experts saying that no, nah, he wasn't one. He could be the third or fourth best running back in this in in his specific draft. Yeah, I think everyone would say if you redraft that right now. You're taking him first for running backs available. And now J.K. Dobbins had some flashes, also tore his knee up. Uh, Cam Akers tore his Achilles. Shouldn't have done that. You know, like little things like that. But uh, some of those guys, he's clearly been better than. But some of the, the, the like picks and digs on him was that, oh, he didn't catch the football enough <laughs> in, high, or in high school and college. Well, guess what? He ran the ball 30 times, and then at the end of his senior or, uh, junior year, they were at starting to throw him passes, and he showed that he could catch it. Yeah. It was kind of the same knock on um, Melvin Gordon, A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon, they're like, oh. oh he didn't catch he, enough in Boston he, College. He didn't catch enough passes out of the backfield in Boston College, but they run him through some of the drills, and they're like, well, he clearly can catch the football. Yeah. And the in other, fact, his first touchdown with the Packers was a pass from Aaron Rodgers. The other two big knocks on both Dylan and, and Taylor, since those were the two examples I brought up, was that they carried the ball a lot, a lot in college. Well, neither of them have seemed like so far through two years that they're slowing down. Now, could that be a real thing after their first contract? Yeah, but going into the draft, going into their first four years in the league, I think uh, a lot of people are just nitpicking just to nitpick at that point when it now is there a lot more issues when you look at uh, some of the skills or attributes that Ferguson has versus a Jonathan Taylor yes. and an AJ Dillon yeah yes. but that's why he's a day three exactly. prospect not a potential first round pick and those uh, guys are talking about the draft uh, nerds I remember them from pro football focus who people some treat them as the bible for football they told that uh, or said that Jonathan Taylor was too slow and that he'd be a bust. Yeah, they were the questioning whether he had real raw breakaway uh, speed. Yeah. A state champion sprinter is too slow. Yeah, but a guy who was a sprint for uh, the <laughs> University of Wisconsin is too slow. That's the setting records. He wasn't fast enough. Well, in the NFL, he still was running away from people. Yeah. The guy mm-hmm. ran track at Wisconsin. He couldn't catch the ball, even though we saw in his last year at Wisconsin, when they did throw him the ball, he could catch he it. Got it. He and wasn't going to almost average 10 yards of reception. And when, <laughs> some when of these was, knobs are just so stupid. And when they were talking about, he's already taken a lot of hits. Great. He, maybe he's not a guy that in four years is going to want to sign to a second contract, but he's going to be pretty damn good for his rookie contract. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, also, so I don't know if just, or I'm um, sorry, if I don't know if Jake Ferguson's going to be a Packer, but, you know, you'd be behind Big Bob Tunyon recovering from an ACL injury. Mercedes Lewis, who's going to be 38, you know, coming up here in May. And then you got Josiah DeGuara, which, you know, you're, you're kind of wondering what's, he's kind of like a fullback too sometimes. So I wonder what's going on well, with we him. We talked about Goody and like how well he's done actually in the first couple of rounds. And with the majority of his drafts, he's done pretty solid. Mm-hmm. I will say one position he has not done very well on is tight end. 
Uh, Jay Sternberger was not good. But it's odd because they should be able to get a good one. And this offense still seems like it should have a specific fullback. But now they're trying to not only get an H back, but use that H back as more than an H back. um, And have that lineup at fullback too, which that's an impossible person to find at the NFL level. Like, I feel like Sternberger was an awful draft pick. The guy is terrible. He hasn't caught on anywhere. I think last I heard he was like on the Steelers. Was he a fourth round? Third round. Third, oof, uh, he was a top 100 pick. Oof, but he hasn't caught on anywhere. And I think the last place I heard he was was with like the Steelers practice squad. But regardless, Josiah DeGuara, also another tight end that was picked. He shoot, He showed flashes as what? First two or three games rookie year? Yeah. Tears his ACL. Tears ACL. And then he showed flashes of being really bad last season. Oh, he was actually on the football team. Last also, year. when I think of Josiah DeGuara, I can't help but think in the playoffs when he dropped that catchable ball. That's just against the Niners. That's just. Mm, 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 <laughs> but like when Tunyon went down, you were left with like a nearly 40 year old Mercedes, Mercedes Lewis. Lewis. You had Dominic Daphne, who hadn't done a whole and lot. He got hurt too, didn't he? Yeah, he hadn't done a whole lot outside of practice squad and being like that third, fourth tight end on the on the roster like we said they cut uh sternberger and then they brought in was it tyler davis yeah uh practice squad slash you know third fourth fifth tight end for the buffalo bills i want to say bill down there's not a ton of talent in that room especially once you get behind bobby tunyon yeah Mm -hmm. so also besides jake ferguson coming in to uh practice for the packers on friday they also brought in badgers safety scott nelson and wide receiver Kendrick Pryor. All right, I said that you can't you can't just Pryor, nitpick. Pryor might be able, he, they might sign him for this wide receiver room. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I, I know. said you can't I nitpick know. just to nitpick, but I'm definitely going to here. No, please do, Rowdy. And I'm going to criticize. So Scott Nelson, obviously safety for Wisconsin. You just great last it. name though. Great last name, but he had the he had the combine of like all pro day combines, right? Where he just wowed everyone. Yeah, he would have been number one on like two of the two yeah. of the like the three cone drill, the yeah, shot, the forty than hell, yard, quicker yeah. than hell, athletic as hell with the forty. Uh, did he have almost like a forty inch vertical? He he had yeah, crazy, he wowed at the pro day. He had crazy pro day uh, numbers where it was like everything was off the charts athleticism. Yeah, but then I watch him play with my eyes, with the naked eye, uh, against like the Penn States of the world where they had like the Dotsons and some of the other more athletic wide receivers that they played. And did he not look slow? Did he not look like he didn't necessarily know where he was supposed to be at? There was a lot of confusion. It seemed like it always happened to him. Now, <laughs> it looks now he could he's obviously is a super good athlete, but it it didn't transfer as well as those numbers said in my opinion with the naked eye when he had to cover good athletic guys that are now going to be legit draft picks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Kendrick Pryor, I don't think he's going to be uh, getting drafted, but when you look at he'll Pryor, be a, he'll be a dude just like, uh, just like uh, the Deetsons of the world. He'll sign on yeah. and do like the train. Pa- hey, Packers have a really wide open wide receiver room. I don't, I, I wouldn't really put any eggs in the Kendrick Pryor basket, but well, <laughs> there is not much for the Packers. He'll, right he'll now. be like signed and brought in for like the rookie mini camps and maybe play in a little bit of summer practices. Yeah, maybe catch and then, on special teams. Yeah. Maybe or, then find, find maybe a practice squad or probably like cut and then well, signing with USFL. USFL? XFL. Maybe a little that, XFL. That's more of the level that he'll be at. So we'll, well see. Won't that season be over by the time that happens? Well, he'd be oh, yeah, looking for the up- on this weekend. It would be yeah. for the upcoming season. Like Ooh, that's a long time to wait. Maybe you go CFL. I mean, yeah, pos- possibility. Maybe the fan controlled Twitch league with Johnny Manziel. He he's the guy that, at best, in my opinion, right now is is going to get a mini mini camp brought in or like a training camp brought in for training camp, but I don't see him lasting past there. All right, let's try to think of the other players that the Packers brought in from Wisconsin. I did say I did mention Jared Everdaris. He actually got some run at the end there when it was him, Aberderis, James Jones, and Jeff Janis against. For Aberderis, it wasn't a thing Cardinals. of like being a bad receiver. It so he's got hurt or yeah, concussions. It wasn't, yeah. the, it wasn't that he couldn't run routes. It was that he literally couldn't stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Who else is there? Uh, you, we already brought up Dietzen and Cole Van Lannen. Are we talking about recently? Just, just off the top of your head, a Tauscher, I guess. 
Well, I think they went yeah. and did some what, check-ins on TJ Watt, but then we know how that TJ, how they passed on that. Yeah, so. try to forget that, but yeah, I'm trying to think of any other Badgers that were on the uh, uh, Vince Beagle. Yeah, the Beags yeah. Beagle. Oh, who could forget? Because that was part of the TJ Watt fiasco, right? Grant Bills of the Wisco Sports Show. Good morning, Grant Bills. Good morning, Ebo. You are nothing but a ray of sunshine to me as well. How are you? I am fantastic, man. Well, here's the thing, actually, Grant. Uh, you had tweeted this out yesterday, and I um, I agreed with it. It was. Uh, essentially, the game yesterday for the Brewers, b- boring. <sighs> yeah, yeah. In fact, Look, Evo, we're we're grown men. We've seen our team lose before. We can stomach a Brewer, Brewer loss, but that was that almost put me to sleep. Every inning, I wanted to doze off. I wanted it just to be over so I could listen to the Wisco Sports Show. I thought maybe I get like five minutes, but nope. It was all, like I think the broadcast ended like right at like six o'clock, so we just missed the Wisco Sports Show. It stunk, dude. Oh, 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 yeah, and trust me, I was sitting at work doing my duty just in case I needed to fill even just 60 seconds. Duty. I could have left work at 4 p.m. yesterday, but I stayed. I'm I gonna... stayed around like a captain going down with the ship just to make sure. Oh, like the Titanic. I'm going to let W-A-Y-Y know that, okay, Grant, that you were there ready to perform even if it was for about 30 seconds, okay? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, I will put that uh, little birdie into... Oh, here RJ is looking at me confused. Here no, in Madison, I got it. I got it. we're I got able it. to yeah. adjust on the fly. Uh, Grant Bills and Lacrosse able to adjust on the fly. Others are just just. Mm. All right, so <laughs> Grant, uh, when it comes to the Brewers, I call them the Milwaukee. Now, when they go bad, I've done this for a couple of years. I call them the Milwaukee Ewers. Is it okay to start calling them the Ewers right now? Sure. After yesterday, you can call them whatever you want. Oh, I, hell yeah. <laughs> First of all, that's a good nickname. That's funny. I've never heard anyone else say that. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, they stink right now. But I, I saw a lot of tweets yesterday that was like, is this team even good? And I just remember so many people <laughs> tweeting that the first week of the last season. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm not yeah. It's a long season, and I'm not giving up with them. I'm just saying right now they look a little ew. A little ew. I don't know how you could have watched that game yesterday without thinking the same thing, Evo. I'm with you. Yeah. So, Grant, how about this? A team that resides in Milwaukee but is actually really good. The Milwaukee Bucks, the three seed, draws the Chicago Bulls, the six seed. Grant Bills, if I had a gun to your head or put your feet to the fire, Bucks win in what? Four. Yep. Four. Dude, the Bulls, okay. (laughs) So, here's the thing. I don't pretend to watch every NBA regular season game. I, I, I don't. I watch a lot of them. I don't watch every regular season game. I think I watched every Bulls game in the month of April, except for their game against the Hornets the other night where no one played. And Evo, every single Bulls game I watched was over by the end of the first quarter. Like this team, is, it's a dead team walking right now. It's a dead man walking like in the green mile. Like this team, they, they want their <laughs> I just watched that over. the other day, by the way. Oh, really? See, I watch movies. I can watch movies. I, I know things. Um yeah, the team's dead. They're dead on the inside. They're they're a dead man walking. Would, would the Bulls be saying right now, Grant? I'm tired, boss. <laughs> exactly. Literally, though. <laughs> I, I think the Bulls mentally, and my roommate's a big Bulls fan. He's a Ugh. Chicago sports fan. He's a good and guy. Think, Just don't let him buy any bees. Yeah, he's he's a good guy. Um, he told me the other day, he's like, I think this team mentally put so much stock into Lonzo coming back, and then when Lonzo didn't come back, I think they kind of were resigned to defeat a little bit. I, this this Bulls team wants their season to be done. If you watch any of their games last month, they just they haven't shown up for a game. Um, I, I'm not worried at all. I think Four. the only sweep. thing they'll show sweep. up for. I think the only thing I agree with you on the sweep and like I thought Lonzo Ball was gonna be back and they were hanging on for him, but he's shut down. Obviously, I think the only thing yeah. that the Bulls will get up for is to cheap shot. Grayson Allen. I think that's the only thing we'll get is maybe a little feisty uh, them coming after Grayson Allen. What do you think about that? Okay, sure. It hasn't worked for him the last three times. No, but I think that's the only fight we'll get is them trying to fight Grayson Allen because they got have it out for him because of the, the Caruso injury. This season is, and I tweeted this yesterday kind of as a joke, but I 100% mean it. This season is going to end Tristan Thompson's career. Ooh. Coming out of this playoff series, we will look Ooh. around in the league and the Bulls will look around and say Tristan Thompson is done. I don't know, Brooke man. Lopez is going to baby them. Giannis is going to baby like they they can't defend size they can't. I did and like Tristan your tweet. Is going to look horrible. I did like your tweet with uh, Kramer when he was uh, doing karate with a bunch of like the ten year olds. 
That was pretty yeah. funny. But I'm, I'm going to say this. I don't think Tristan – now, I do sort of agree that the you know the Bucks are going to maybe end Tristan Thompson's career, but then I think Tristan's going to mm-hmm. remember that he's got a new gym trainer that he has the hots for, and he'll probably have another kid getting squirted out here. So I think he needs to keep playing to afford all of the kids he keeps having with everyone that's not Khloe Kardashian. Needs that alimony money, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's going to earn it because Brooke Lopez and Giannis are going to be dangling their, uh, their baby makers, so to speak, in his face for an entire <laughs> four-game series. So, uh, so maybe he does. Maybe you're right. I think you're right about that. Is there, any, is there anyone on this, uh, in the playoffs, obviously the East, that the Bucks should be worried about matching up with? I think the second round could be interesting. I, I, I was thinking about this in the shower last night, actually, Ebo, and I wrote it down when I got out because I, I think I'll talk about it on my show tonight. The second round has the potential to be a little tricky because the Bucks, I believe, pretty soundly are going to sweep the Bulls or come out of that series really without any stress. Boston and Brooklyn is going to be the other series on their side of the bracket, and if Boston beats Brooklyn and matches up with Milwaukee, you know Boston's going to be feeling high and mighty because they just took down the team that supposedly the Bucks wanted to dodge. Or Brooklyn's going to knock off the Celtics, and they're going to feel really confident because they got through the Celtics, who've been better than anyone the second half of the year. So whoever the Bucks face in the second round is going to be feeling themselves big time, and that's something the Bucks are going to have to overcome. So I think that second-round series, I think the Bucks are better than both those teams, but the situation and the ebb and the flow and the momentum of the playoffs I don't think is going to favor the Bucks in the second round. So that worries me. Now, if they get all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals, they play Philly or Toronto, whoever, none of those teams scare me. But the second round, I think very similarly to last year, could could maybe feel like the Eastern Conference Finals, and that's what worries me. Yeah, uh, I'm just ready for a, a back-to-back championship for our Milwaukee Bucks. Well, more will be revealed on that front. And before I let you go, two questions. Uh, well, Giannis Dendekumbo, do you think he, uh, I know it's a longer of a shot, but do you think he can uh, capture that MVP title? Or no, is it actually, Jokers? it's funny. I, I, it's, it's Jokic is going to win it. I was listening to the... Bill Simmons podcast yesterday and he said he couldn't vote for Giannis because he sat the last game of the year and he doesn't care enough and he wants his MVP to care. Oh, I'm like, this God. conversation's so stupid. Just give it to Jokic. No one's really going to be that happy about it except for Nuggets fans because Nuggets are going to lose in the first round and we're all going to feel dumb about giving him the MVP but no, Giannis isn't going to win it. And Grant, before I let you go, uh, I only heard one, well, it was more than one complaint but a complaint one day. How did the entirety of Neil Diamond Week go last week for you? Minus the, little, minus the I, I, little road bump with Wart Binkler. R- rhymes with Wart Binkler. I love having Bart on because so many people don't like him. And it's just, it's, it gets the people going, Evo. You understand this. I, I would rather get people going than be boring and read box scores about baseball games or whatever. No, Neil Week was, Neil Week was super fun. It doesn't really make any sense, but that's kind of why it's fun is we just listen to Neil Diamond and... We had a couple segments. I brought my guitar in on Friday, and I played Solitary Man. And Oof. Dave and Monona texted in and said, hey, you're not bad for a sissy. And I, I had <laughs> Dave the nicest thing Dave's ever said to me. So that's how the week ended. So I'd say it was a huge success. Hey, you're not bad for a sissy. That's the nicest thing Dave's ever said. To anybody. Yeah, to yep. anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Grant, uh, so Neil Diamond. Neil was a blast. Yeah. I mean, Neil Diamond is a blast himself, man. I mean, one of the greatest concerts I've ever had the privilege of going to Neil Diamond. Uh, Grant, and it's always a privilege to talk to you every Tuesday, 740, and I'm glad that you're not preempted by the Brewers. Oh, actually, you get a half, cut off by half an hour, right? You get a, That's a 605. Yeah. 4 to 5.30. Yeah, East Coasts. Well, guys, get this. I'll be off at 5.30 tonight and tomorrow, no show on Thursday, and I'm going to go home to Menominee, and then I'm going to do a best-up show on Friday uh, because it's Good Friday and I can take a long weekend. So this is this is oh, barely a You get off for Good for Friday? Probably why I sound so excited this morning. You get off for Good Friday? You're taking, uh, no, taking a big Oh, vacay, okay. Right. And, and no, then Kenny's off. flying to New York. He said he doesn't want to do the show. Uh, <laughs> doesn't want to Dave, do the show. Well, Dave Carney... <laughs> he can't. And then uh, he's headed to the cabin. The- <laughs> and then Grant, um, I guess it's the best of. So it'll be good. Uh, do you want me to play Neil Diamond for the whole show? Ooh. Honestly, if Just I'd listen. Cut I'd to, take my cut to Neil Diamond week Friday. for the show. Well, yeah, we're, we're probably going to go to Good Friday Mass around that time. I'll bring in my earbuds just so I can listen in church. I, I wouldn't miss that two hours of Neil Diamond. <laughs> well, I mean, Neil Diamond is like listening to this, you know sermon, the Lord. Grant, we love I you, buddy. Agree. We love you. We love you. We'll listen tonight, too. More sermon from you from 4 to 5.30.
Thanks, guys. Have an awesome day. Keep the needle going. You got it, buddy. See you, Grant. There he is. Our guy, Andrew Wagner, Forbes.com. Good morning, Drew. So Ben is there this morning? Uh, Rowdy is as well. Rowdy, say good morning. Good morning. Benjamin? Nope. Okay. He just looked at me. He just looked at ben me. Ben texted me at like 7 o'clock this morning, and my answer to you, Ben, is I don't know yet. What do you tell? What do you, you seven? Okay. This, this dude doesn't get up till nine a.m. Like right before I call him. What do you? You got to you got to text him the night bef- previous or before, right, Andrew? Absolutely. Yeah. What's going on today, brother? Oh, I mean, you know, thankfully, mercifully, the the Brewers' season is over. So you know, don't yeah. have to worry about that anymore. One in three. It turns out they're packing up uh, American Family Field. They're actually going to ship the franchise off somewhere else, and we're going to bring in a uh, either an NHL or an MLS team. So it's uh, the dream yeah. is dead. The yeah. dream is dead at one and three. Offense stinks. Fishing is terrible. David Stearns is a moron. Mark Gottinazio is a cheapskate. Uh, Council Craig can't Council manage. Can't manage. Yeah. yeah. So I think do we do we cover it? Do we get all the hot takes? Uh, you forgot about the two new uh, hitting uh, the hitting coaches. They've been fired as well. Oh yeah, yeah. The new hitting coaches are just absolutely. They're worse than Andy Haynes. Like it's over. It's over. Yeah. It's over. Is it Packer season yet? I wish. If they brought in an MLS team and shipped the Brewers out, I don't care how bad the Brewers be. I'm going to find the nearest bridge and jump off. Well, oh, God, I'm right with you. I'm boys, right with you. There's man. bridges around here that's really not that high up, though. You just have anything, you might like hurt your legs a little bit. I don't think you just get mad. Have they, have they reopened Wisconsin's bridges and buildings after two stories after the Packers gagged away yet another hey. season appearance? Hey, mister. Let's talk about the Brewers gagging away at one and three right now instead, okay? I don't want to. I don't want to bring up bad Packer <laughs> memories. All right, so Andrew, um, for people that are freaking out, uh, I would say I'm going to say something, and you say something. I'll say this: the Brewers started one and three last year, till eventually winning 95 games and won the NL Central. What would you say to fans freaking out right now? Uh, I'd say what my father always said to me: that a sun shines on a dog's ass at least once a day. So, I mean. You know, yeah, the, the Orioles won a game yesterday. The Cubs won a couple. I mean, it's early. I mean, obviously, there, there, there are things to be concerned about. I mean, don't get me wrong. Okay. Um, the offense right now has been little, little different than last year. We've seen that. Um, we're not seeing any kind of power out of anyone right now, uh, especially Yelich. And the pitching, the, the, the pitchers are walking dudes left and right. Um, All right, so let's start. Let's start with this, Andrew. Andrew Wagner from Forbes.com yeah. joining us right now. Follow him on Twitter at by Andrew Wagner. So the pitching staff. I mean, Harold is one of the best, if not the best, in the NL, and we saw what happened last year with it. What's going on with the pitching staff? Was it just shortened spring training? Is it because of the lockout? Like, what's going on with this pitching staff? Is it the the command because they're not throwing too many strikes? Like, what's going on? I I do wonder if the shortened spring did have something to do with this. Um, I mean, yeah, I know the guys were working out and they came into camp in a good spot. Um, we're kind of seeing it all over the place. I know the Cubs pitched pretty well, so that's hard to, you know, hard to say anything. Uh, like, well, why doesn't it happen to them? And obviously the Orioles had a good day yesterday. But, you know, this is so unlike any of these guys. I mean, the odd thing was each of the, the big three, their first batter face this year was a walk. And of the three, they hardly walked anyone last year. Yeah. So. I really do think it's a you know just aberration right now. I mean, they're going to be fine. They're really good pitchers. I mean, this isn't this isn't just you know waving a flag. You rah rah. Those are good pitchers. Um, I, I don't think if they're still doing this come June. Yeah. Okay. Now you can fret a little bit. Okay. But we, I highly doubt that they're going to be this bad. We actually we set a date. Rowdy, do you want to tell Andrew Wag? We're working on the name because uh, you know you know every day is like a different national whatever day. Like today's yeah. National Grilled Cheese Day, National Only Child Day, National Big Wind Day. That's why we have you on for National Big Wind Day. Um, the National Licorice Day. Rowdy, tell Andrew of the date you're setting, and we're still working on the name of the national day. But I go always right around because I'm from Stoughton, Sitnamai, which is like the Norwegian Independence Day. Big Norwegians here. It's, it's always yeah. like the sixth-ish week of the season, so you get to kind of see everybody. If you have a pitcher that's been off or a batter that's been off, you've now had 35-ish games to kind of see what you got. That's normally when I'm going to start hitting the panic button if they still look like this, and we're we're talking on May 16th, May 17th. So Rowdy had the he thought maybe for a second, then he stopped himself. But it was National Brewers Coming Out Day, but this didn't have the right like 
it just didn't feel right for the Brewers. So we thought, go like, with like the Brewers National Alarm Day. Yeah, potentially Brewers National Alarm Day. May sixteenth is that too early? Is that is you know six weeks? Is that all right, Andrew? I, I'd say yeah, somewhere between there and Memorial Day. You know, we we had this argument with Craig Council all the year about you know different benchmarks in the season and stuff like that, but. Yeah, I think, you know, Memorial Day, that area, you know, and Rowdy's right there with six weeks. Also, if I may submit a, a name suggestion. Please, please. Na- Na- National Crap or Get Off the Pot Day. Uh, Rowdy? You know, for, for baseball. I'm just trying Either to tie it in with a little not. bit of, yeah. Yeah, try to tie, yeah, so. try to tie it in with the brewer's name, you know. Uh, uh, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll work on that. It's workshop. a working process. Yeah. We have we have a couple of weeks, so we're we're okay right here. But I know I know exactly what you're saying, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like mid to late May, you, you kind of know what you have. Uh, it is a little different though, because remember there are expand. Like, listen, the Brewers are making the playoffs this year. You know, that's is that an Andrew Wagner guarantee? Yeah, with that team, that all division, right. and the expanded playoff field, I mean, how how do they not? Like, unless unless all three of those pitchers get, you know, kidnapped by aliens or something, like, I just, I don't see how they don't make the playoffs coming out of the NL Central. Let's see, brain tonic, maybe someone's house starts on fire, and, uh, like, Woodruff would go out to save it. Maybe someone falls into the... Uh, the, the giant hole. The there giant, you go. never-ending giant hole. Like, there's things could happen, man. Things could happen. All right, Andrew. Yellow so doesn't shave his sideburns. <laughs> Like Mattingly. So when it comes to Christian Yelich, so we were talking earlier today about Christian Yelich, uh, about, you know, he still looks kind of lost up there. Now he has uh, he had that nice hit against the Cubs with the RBI to hit yesterday. He is batting three sixty four. Uh, what is that? Second behind Rowdy Telez is three seventy five. Should we be concerned about Yelly or are we seeing signs of life for Christian Yelich? I don't know. You know, because after what you saw the last two years, you don't know. What what will be considered encouraging? Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with the same thing. Uh, you know, as we're talking about with, with the bad stuff, you know, give it till early mid May. If Yelich is still swinging a good bat, then okay, I think you can you know take a deep breath. But right now, I think it's still fair to, to you know be a little skeptical and you know kind of baited uh, on what you're going to see out of him because it's a lot of money to pay a guy, and they need him to to, to carry his weight. So. It's an encouraging start, but it's a little too early to say, okay, he's back. Well, looking at Christian Yelich's two monster seasons, which basically got him this current contract, in 2018, remember, he started coming on in, in, I believe, mid to late May and then was just an absolute animal through the end of the season. 2019, he carried it in right away from the beginning of the season and then kind of fell off in September. But he's been a guy that, Man, normally he, when he was hot for the Brewers, he put together like five just scalding hot months. Yeah, and let's not forget when he fell off in September there, he also, you know, took a pitch off his kneecap. So, yeah. you know, he was he was raking at that point. Um, but, yeah, you're right, Ron. You know, he was – you look at his numbers at the All-Star break in 2018, and they were good, uh, but they were nowhere near – what he did after that. I mean, that second half that he had in 2018 is the stuff of legend. Um, you know, and I, I think that's the problem is everyone's kind of expecting that version of Christian Yelich when I think, you know, the first half Christian Yelich of that year, which was good, um, it may not be 250 million good. Um, we'll still get the Brewers <laughs> very far away. Uh, Andrew Wagner joining us right now. So, Andrew, let's talk some good. Uh, the addition of Andrew McCutcheon, everyone was thinking like, oh, you know, does he got anything left in it? Maybe it'll just be good for the uh, the locker room to have his veteran presence in there. Uh, Kutch is starting the season out pretty damn good, man. He's even getting the ire of uh, the Chicago Cubs getting beamed in the butt. What? Uh, how about Kutch and his uh, limited condi- uh, contribution so far with the Milwaukee Brewers? Is this going to be a nice little nice little addition for the crew? It's pretty much what they were hoping for. You know, it's exactly what they were hoping for. He, he can give you a little bit there on offense. Um, he's a leader in the clubhouse. And, I mean, you look at the way that he handled things on uh, on Saturday there with, with the little beanball thing. I'm like, that's, that's some veteran leadership. The stuff that he said afterwards, like, that might have been the greatest post-game interview that I've ever had. Because, I mean, it wasn't confrontational. It wasn't, like, you know, blowing up. It was just like, hey, man here's the deal. Here's why I was upset. Like, we all know you're going to hit me. Why don't you just hit me on the first damn hitch? Right. You know, why do you go through the, the, the K-Fob here and, and, and make everyone think otherwise and then get offended? Like, 
And the fact that he just went in there, it was so matter of fact, so simple, you know, just not this whole animosity, not this whole protect my rep thing was like, what the hell, man? I love it. Like that guy, I've loved interviewing that guy and talking to that guy since he was a rookie. Just he's a thrilled to be around in the clubhouse and he still has some pop in his bat. Like, yeah, he's nice. The guy can play ball. The guy can play ball. Uh, Wilson Contreras is one of the biggest knobs in Major League Baseball. Yeah. He's a <laughs> can, you, can you answer that? You want to answer that? Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. Like, I, I don't understand how a guy can sit here and complain about getting drilled when he's basically sitting on top of the plate. No, no. He's you know, you a... know guys are going to pitch shit. Like, accept it. Either accept it or change your stance. It's one of the two. He's such a jabroni, dude. All right, so what was it? Uh, the pitcher, I forget the pitcher's name who beamed um, Kutch, but he got a three-game suspension, and I think David Ross got a three-game suspension. Does that fit? Does the punishment fit the crime, Andrew Wagner, for those scrubbies? I mean, he should should got three games just because it took three pitches. That's a stupid thing. <laughs> I like Honestly, that. Honestly, it's, it's so Stupid. Like, you, you know, I'm all right with the fact that this is going to happen in baseball. Like, every, it's part of a game. It's fine. Like, I'm all right with that. You got to do it the right way, though. You know, you can't sit here and, first of all, you can't headhunt. Um, you got to put it on the ass. You can't sit there and, like, come at a guy's head. Yeah. And you can't sit here and go in the middle of a count and do it. You do it right away and get it over with. Just, what was it a couple of years ago where uh, the Brewers got into it? I think it was with the Giants. And then the very first, it was during the regular, it was the bowling ball, the, 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 you know, the kaboom thing. They were ticked off about that. The very first pitch is spring training the next year. They drilled Prince Fielder. Like, first pitch. Get it out of the way. Get it done with. Do it the right way. Yeah, Cubs. They're a bunch of jabronis. All right, so, Andrew, I want to shift gears uh, just a little bit before I let you go. Uh, something else uh, in your fine city of Milwaukee resides the Bucks. What do you think, dude? The Chicago Bulls, the six seed, taking on the three seed, the Milwaukee Bucks. Bucks, uh, I asked a couple of uh, Grant Bills. He said sweep. I'm saying sweep. Roddy thinks saying five. What do you think of this uh, Chicago Bulls team coming to take on the, the Bucks? I consider them kind of a dead man walking. You know, I thought this would have been, you know, a month ago, I thought this would have been a really good series, and now I'm not quite sure what to expect out of it. Um, I don't think it's going to be a sweep. I mean, the Bucks have not been – that impressive to me so far this season. I mean, they've been very good. And it's amazing that, you know, we're at a point now where we can say this about the Bucks. You know, Isn't, whoa, crazy? I mean, they, Isn't that crazy? They ran away with their division, but they weren't blowing guys out by like 50 points. Tonight. But yeah, I don't think it's going to be a sweep. They have not been utterly dominant for long stretches this year. Um, the Bulls are out there playing for their lives. They want to show that their regular season wasn't a fluke. And you never know. I mean, this, this, it's finally becoming a rivalry, and that's a story I'm actually working okay, on so right now. Okay, so I'm glad you brought that up because we were talking about this the other day. It's like, who in who in the hell is the Bucks' rival? It's like we have, they've owned the Bulls the past what 17 times they played. They've won 16 times since Giannis won his first MVPs, 12 and 0 against the Bulls. They swept them this year uh, in the Central. Like, is the Bulls truly their biggest rival? I mean, for proximity's sake, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's hard to say because you know how do we define a rival? You know, there's so many things that go into it, but at the end of the day, there has to be a competitive factor to it, and there just hasn't been. This series has not been, you know, uh, a competitive series almost since the inception. The Bucks dominated in the 70s. The the Bulls dominated, you know, in the mid-80s and through the 90s, and now the the Bucks are on top again. So this this is what I thought was going to – when the Bucks and Bulls didn't play their first game until I think it was like February of this season – I thought, man, this is going to be really cool. And it wasn't. The Bucks just smoked them all four times. <laughs> it wasn't. Something, something like that. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, you have to say the the Bulls should be the Bucks' biggest rival, but they're not. I would say probably right now it's the Sixers or the Nets. Their fans uh, travel well. Their fans the, travel good to the Pfizer Forum. I'll give them yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, more more fans come from Chicago than Madison. So Who's you your know, biggest rival, Andrew? Sobriety? Oh no, I got that one licked. No, my biggest rival is in, <laughs> in incompetent management. So. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I, should, I, I, was, I, was, I was actually wondering. careful though, because you know, mean, mean tweets and mean statements. You know, that's what I'm known for now. So. Hey, hey, and everyone listens to us. So you better be on your best behavior, Mister. Okay, exactly. Uh, Andrew, <laughs> anything else? You better be on your best behavior, Mister. You don't want to get deleted off of a group chat, okay? 
All right, so <laughs> uh, you said you're working on that story. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of inside jokes here. So when it comes to uh, the story you're working on, what Forbes.com, when, when can we see that story coming out of the, uh, the Bucks rival and whatnot, my friend? Whenever, whenever the, the NBA decides when game one is going to be. I think it's Sunday. We'll I just had no one. time and network out yet, though. Oh, it is Sunday for sure? I, I, oh, yeah, I think it came out in the wee hours last night. I woke up and saw it this morning. Yeah. So yeah. It, 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 there are no two teams in the NBA – not counting those that play in the same city, of course, that are closer in proximity than the Bucks and the Bulls. But from a competitive standpoint, they couldn't be farther apart. Right. I know. I've been owning them. Andrew, we love you, buddy. Thanks for your time. And um, Ben, you got your – yeah, you answered Ben's question, right? You got your question answered, Ben? I texted him at 8.30, by the way. Oh, and seven. the story has changed, Andrew. It might still be early, but thank you. I appreciate it. I'll let you know once I hear what the Brewers pregame schedule is for that day, Benjamin. I got you. All good. Appreciate it. The internet surfing the World Wide Web, if you will. And I saw this from Bleacher Report. Major League Baseball's most overhyped players for the 2022 season. And I was like, I wonder if there's a Milwaukee Brewer on here. Because I don't think there would be. Well, that makes it seem like there's a lot. Then I went down the list. Uh, Let's see here. The first up is uh, Cody Bellinger. Byron Buxton, Brandon Crawford, Garrett Cole, Francisco Lindor, Corey Seager, Trevor Story, and then, by God, the last person on the list. Could anyone guess for the Milwaukee Brewers who is the most overhyped coming into 2022? Uh, Roddy, do you have a guess? If he's using Christian Yelich, but I already know that he came in at number 100 on the top MLB players. So, I mean, he does like to have his name at the bottom of lists. <laughs> and you would be correct. Both of you are correct. It is indeed Christian Yelich. And I thought to myself, that's kind of a compliment for Christian Yelich. Yeah. Thing. If he, I'm, I'm overhyped. They, who's hyping Christian Yelich? This is clearly a national media who hasn't watched in the last two years. And I think is watching the Brewers, you're, you don't have expectations for him. You want him to get back to form. That's not being overrated that's straight up dude live up to your contract well if he's coming in on a list of top 100 mlb players at number 100 going into this season and he's winding up towards the end of list talking about overrated players i feel like one more season of what we've seen in 2020 and 2021 he's not going to make those lists (laughs) and then it, it won't it'll be like irrelevant it'll be like Oh, that's Christian Yelich. Remember when he had 2018 and 2019? And that'll be like, yeah, he really flashed in the pan for two years. <laughs> so uh, let me just read a little snippet on uh, Yelich. So when I said overhyped, like, who is who is hyping Yelich? So it said, and I quote, the final moment of the Milwaukee Brewers 2021 season was painfully fitting. Trailing the Atlanta Braves 5-4 in the ninth inning, Christian Yelich, the 2018 NL MVP and 2019 runner-up, stepped up to the plate with a runner on base, and he struck out looking on three pitches. Sure did. The spectacular two-year run featured a 3-2-7 average and a home run every 13.3 at-bats. Yelich has since cratered to a 2.33 clip and two, uh, 28.7 at-bats between homers. Still, the 30-year-old carries the 13th lowest MVP odds. Yelich deserved this superstar label two years ago. But there's no denying he needs to re-earn that status. I don't. I yeah. They. I that doesn't make sense. Like you're saying he's not playing well, and you're referencing 2018 and 2019, right? And yet you're saying he's overrated. That makes no sense. Like you can't list. You can't list stats from two years ago. And just say it's solely based on how much he's getting paid. Just say that. Well, I think uh, another thing with Christian Yelich is, for me personally, when I watch him and his at-bats since that kneecap injury starting in 2020, I'm not even asking Christian Yelich to get back to the 2018 or 19 version. If he could just get back to that borderline all-star version where he hit for a decent average, got on base, and had like 15, 20 home runs maybe, I'm not talking about the 40-plus home run seasons, the 100-plus RBI seasons. Just give me like a solid 285, maybe 15 to 20 home runs, 
and like the 70 to 75 RBIs and you're borderline all-star, you're yeah. kind of like, like just like Travis Shaw was borderline all-star for a couple of years until he fell off the face of an earth. <laughs> Give me a borderline all-star type season or hell rest of your career with the Milwaukee Brewers. And I can somewhat stomach $26 million a year because of the team that they can put around them and, or have locked in through 2024. But if you can't even get that, are you talking about a voted in? No, no, I'm saying type season I'm or saying, like you're the team's lone representative. I'm saying like borderline <laughs> Big difference, borderline all star as in the numbers are good enough to be an all star. You might not get voted in yeah. like that was Shaw for two seasons. He was borderline all star. He never yep. got the nod. Right. But numbers wise, yep. he was right there. That's all I ask for Christian Yelich, because if you can get a borderline guy that gives you solid statistics like he did in Miami his last few years before the trade. This Brewers team is so much better than when Christian Yelich is batting third and absolutely is terrible. <laughs> like, yeah, he's getting on base. We we get that. But guess what? That means he's either got to go up in the order or he's got to go down in the order. Right. And I bet you today when the lineup's out, he'll be third. Yeah, exactly. And And the thing with that is in 2020, he got on base. He did not chase pitches. In 2021, he got on base. He did not chase pitches. But does he get on base? <laughs> but my God, he was missing pitches that he was putting in the seats. And like I did say, I did compliment him earlier this morning and said his last two And he games, thanks you for that, by the way. I've seen two really good at-bats from Christian Yelich. But again, that's two good at-bats in, in four games. What was his first or second at-bat yesterday? He watched a changeup go right down the middle. Oh, and that's the thing. It was like... Before he got that la- that hit in his last at bat yesterday, the two three pitches that he saw before, he looked like he was confused and it did not look good. Yeah. That's why I was excited to see that he stayed back on a breaking ball, ended up shooting it back up the middle. When that's a pitch that I could easily see his head going into right field he and is, completely swinging and missing. I did see the stat; he is batting a thousand versus that pitcher in his career, but I think it's only like. <laughs> <laughs> two for two. I was kind of at a loss for words yesterday, uh, besides the Milwaukee Ewers. Craig Council really had a tough time, Rowdy, putting the, together a couple sentences after they lost See, the Camden I'm, Yards. I'm picturing this. He's kind of slouched over. He's standing. Okay. Well, this is my image <laughs> I get in my head of like a, a Craig Council presser when things aren't going well. He's kind of slouched over, kind of leaned back a little bit in his chair. While he's giving the interview, yeah, he's got like uh, an upset look on his face, but his hair is always disheveled. Yeah, he does get the disheveled hair. He gets hair. the very disheveled hair. It's like when you get like four beers and you get that hair gets a little disheveled like a Friday. So that's why I'm like, I'm picturing him at the podium, a little lean back, you know, posture, a little bent over with disheveled hair and just like shaking his head, not knowing what the hell to say. Because <laughs> I've, I've seen a lot of those Craig Council pressers. The angry rooster. The nickname of Craig Council. So uh, here's the thing. The Baltimore Orioles had one run coming into this series. One run in three games. They In the first game of the season, they lost, but they scored one run. And then the next two games, they got shut out. So here's Craig Council after the Brewers got shut out by the Orioles. I keep seeing the Ravens. They, the they now have three total runs scored in four games, but they have the same record as the Brewers. So the reporter, you'll maybe hear the report a little bit, but it's essentially like, hey, you know, what's with the offense today? Where's the bats? Yada, yada, yada. Here, let's take a listen to Craig Council, Rowdy, the angry rooster. Well, today wasn't wasn't a good day. Um, you know, we didn't we didn't get much going early at all. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if we had a man on third base today. Maybe maybe once so not good enough today um he just kind of see the next question is the one where he really struggles to string it together so he's just uh, i think um, the funny part this morning count ums count how many ums he does this morning when we came in and we were talking about yeah it was a brutal game like the brewers really scattered six hits and couldn't do a whole lot and what remember when i said to you we were like, yeah, I think they put what, like one runner on third base, and then I go, yeah, they didn't put very many on second yeah. either. It's like I, I don't remember anyone on third. I guess there was one on third. Here's the all right. So this is the question on the offense. Try to count how many ums he has and, and don't knows. Take a listen. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, we didn't 
you know, it wasn't a day where we were unlucky. We didn't hit balls hard and, and, and have them caught. We just uh, we didn't square up baseballs today. Um, you know, it was, uh, you know, fairly weak contact. Um, you know, I mean, Jace hit a ball pretty good in center field. Um, that's, that's really the only one I can I can recall that we, we squared up really good. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we didn't hit – we didn't hit – we didn't do enough offensively today. You know, we didn't get shortchanged on runs here today. We just, we just didn't do enough. Craig is, like, at a loss for words over this offense. Well, it's like, okay, the first uh, yeah. three games of the season, the starting pitching was was very subpar from what you expect from three guys that finished in the top eight in NL Cy Young voting. The bullpen outside of Devin Williams and uh, Josh Hader had been very up and down. Yeah. Well, you finally got, and I'm not going to say a good start by any means, but Adrian Hauser was able to strand runners. And yes, he only went three and two thirds, but then Aaron Ashby came in and he was able to do the same thing. Yeah. Walked a guy or two, gave up a hit or two, but stranded runners when need be. He was the one that caught the comebacker from Cedric Mullins. But the thing was, you still only gave up. Even if it wasn't the prettiest day of pitching, you still only gave up two earned runs. That's a game two. where the average Major League Baseball team averages four and a half runs per game. If you just have an average day, you're more you're doubling up the Orioles because even though it wasn't pretty, yeah. it was only two runs and you pieced it together and you just couldn't do anything offensively. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the, uh, one more for Craig here. I'm going to see if he keeps uh, rolling with the um train. Let's uh, take a listen. What did you think about uh, Adrian today? Like yeah, I mean, just a little with the command. You know, I mean, I don't, the, the, the sinker wasn't, you know, kind of pinpoint. Um, uh, yeah. I thought he battled through it pretty good. Yeah. We, we made some nice defensive plays to, um, yeah. to get him out of a couple innings. Tyrone made two incredible plays. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he just you know he just didn't have kind of it all clicking really. Just some small short stretches where he did, but some deep you know he has the ability to kind of throw a sinker, get him good and out, and have some fat quick innings. And we just we couldn't get any quick innings going. Now that was a little better from Craig than those first two. The other ones, but <clears throat> yeah. Well, that's because he he could yeah. actually say some positive things about um, Adrian Hauser. Yeah, I mean, you can't say too much, but... Yeah, it was like, okay, he looked good here and there. He didn't necessarily have his best sinker. He didn't necessarily have his best command, but he was able to pitch around some things where it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I have... There was was a few positives um, with the bats. He's literally sitting there trying to think of when they had good at bats and hit the ball square, and he's like... Yeah, I yeah. think uh, a Peterson had one to center field, and then like the reporter had to remind him, oh, McCutcheon, oh, McCutcheon hit a couple too, exactly. and he's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's pretty bad when you got to search your search your brain to find more than one hard hit ball in a nine inning game against yeah. one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah.